20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. What's going on, Packer fans? Welcome back to an all-new episode of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter, at Andy Herman NFL. More importantly, my guest, you know him already, former Packers guard Mike Wall. You can follow him on Twitter, at MikeWall68. Mike, it has been a week since, uh, just about a week since we talked last. Mm-hmm. There has not been a Packer game in between, mm-hmm. uh, but there's been a, it, it feels like forever ago. We've both had the opportunity to go through the tape a little bit more, but uh, before we jump into that, how, uh, how have you been and how are things going? Life is good. Thanks for asking. Yeah, we're just, uh, hey, tell you what, we were just talking about it. And we we're just chugging along in Austin, Texas, and, and we, we're having some nice weather. We finally got some rain. You guys, it sounds like you guys are, are going the other way, but we finally got some rain. We're actually looking forward to it. We're looking forward to a little bit of non-106 degree temperatures down here. So I, it's, it's we record this on Thursday. That means I got five days straight of football. Life is good. Yeah, I saw something where earlier this week, I think it was Tuesday, there was no football Tuesday, but now there's football every single day, either college or NFL, until like November 22nd or something. So we're in a, we're in a pretty good spot right now. I have, I have a cold open question for you, though, okay. uh, that, that we didn't we didn't discuss prior. So last year, Indianapolis Colts don't play well. Mm-hmm. They uh, fire their coach. They bring in Jeff Saturday. The Chicago <laughs> Bears. The <laughs> Chicago Bears fire Matt Eberflus right now, and they call up Mike Wall, and they said, Mike, We've seen you on the Pack-A-Day podcast and everywhere right. else. We love what you're thinking. We want you to be the head coach of the Chicago Bears the remainder of this season. Are you taking the job, yes or no? The Chicago Bears team. called me? Yep. If Chicago the Chicago Bears, Bears called, called me, there's got to be something going on. I'm taking the job because I got to see I got to see what their plan is. Because what – I mean, you could call Olin Krutz. He's in town. Call him. Yeah. You, you know, but, yeah, you could, if they call me, oh, I'm getting on the plane. I got to see what's going on. That's a, That would be an amazing – I mean, we would be doing a show every week. Your show would skyrocket. Whatever you think you are now, we'd be in Hollis Hall doing it every day. Just that would just, be amazing. Just because they're the Bears, of course. What an yeah, I mean, yeah, I, what I an agree. organization, by the way. I mean, come on. I mean, they don't even have like you start talking about Ryan, Ryan Poles and when they were hired. There's, you know, they're now they're doing like, well, when was he hired compared to when they hired Eberflus? Whose fault is this? Their roster is terrible. Yep. Like. You could blame it on Eberflus isn't doing a good job. Whatever their roster is awful. It's there's there's nobody in their right mind could say that offensive and defensive line wise they have anything that resembles talent. You can't win with either one of those. Like if you have if you're missing both sides of the ball in the trenches, what do you expect things that you, things aren't going to happen for you? We talked about it. On, you can pay your linebackers as much money as you want if there ain't nobody in front of them. Going to get run on. It's it's crazy and it, you know not necessarily a bad thing as a Packer fan. Although they might get the first two picks in the draft, which might be a little bit different, but they have constantly been in a flux of they're either like they get their GM and then the GM like waits a year and then hires a coach and then they get a quarterback and then they let go of the GM and then they let go of the coach and then they let go of the quarterback and they're like they're never on the same playing field. Like it's always different time periods and it's like. Well, Poles didn't get to choose his GM and like, like it's always different or his quarterback, excuse me. So like, uh, this is their opportunity. I hope they don't do it. I hope they screw it up again. But like, this is their opportunity this off season to just be like, we've got probably the first two picks in the draft. We are starting completely from scratch. We're getting a new GM, a new coach. 
combined like the the 49ers did with Lynch and Shanahan we're, we're combining two people that are going to work cohesively with Caleb Williams and the second probably Marvin Harrison Jr and we're just gonna we're gonna start with that and we're gonna have them be together but like I said I'm, I'm fingers crossed they they screw it up somehow this this there's there's so many and it goes it comes that what you just described just comes down to the ownership I mean that's the ownership yeah. problem more than anything else and we you know we've seen that over the years with I remember the New York Jets in the last before this last hire when they brought Gase in and just, I knew a lot of guys in that staff in that building because I'd been in Miami with those guys. And you just start hearing the, like the way things operate in different buildings and this, the, like the built in foundational dysfunction stemming from the top up or top down. It's it. If they're in your division, you're happy. Right. But otherwise it's like, good Lord. It's, it's tough. To, I, we've talked about it before after that game, it's actually tough to watch because you go, this is the National Football League, guys. Like, what are we doing? Yeah, it really is. But uh, enough about the Chicago Bears. Let's talk about our favorite topic, which is the Green Bay Packers, which didn't have the, the greatest outcome last week either. But lots to go through with that. We, again, we talked last Friday right after the game and kind of our reactions. But like I said, we both had the opportunity to look at the tape a little bit more. I know the biggest question this week, and it's kind of been dissected in a lot of different ways, but I always super uh, am, am super respectful of your opinion from what you think of, especially in the trenches. Everyone wants to know right now what's going on on the offensive line and specifically uh, not being able to run the ball and not being able to stop the run on the other side. What have you sort of saw, not only just, seen not only just this week but maybe through the first you know quarter of the season basically well you want to start on the offense you know Let's first of all if 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 you are as a as a play caller as a leader <clears throat> saying that you want to establish a run and you don't run the ball for the first six plays of the game you're that's like that's just that message isn't congruent with with your actions right so i think that's part of it so i and i and every time if you go back even the last three four years when you say you're not doing something well it's usually because they're not they're neglecting to actually do that thing. I, you know, we, we could go back numerous instances over the last you know three four years. So I think that's part of it. But if you're just looking at the offensive line, like why is AJ Dillon not being successful? Why are the offensive linemen not holding it? <clears throat> I think that the offensive line is is desperately missing David Bakhtiari from a leadership standpoint, from a from a ability standpoint, talent, all of that. I think Elgin Jenkins is is is. Um, if anything, he's the toughest guy on the line, if anything else. And so he brings that dimension to the team that I don't know that they necessarily have without him. And I don't think that they have technically developmentally progressed in the last two years. I think three years ago, they had a good line. I think last year they were not as good. And I think this year they were, they were worse. I don't think they're as physical I don't think they're as confident in their foot. Like if you just look at very simple things with linemen, footwork, body position, hand placement. They're not really – none of them are really good. Zach Tom's probably the only one you go. He's really good at all three of those. And, and talking about running pass game, like he's he gets a passing grade. I don't know that anybody else actually gets a passing grade for me and the rest yeah. of the offensive line at, through the first four games. That could change. So what what does that mean? Well, Stanovich isn't in the offensive line room anymore. That has to do some has something to do with it. We talked about it before. I don't know how much. You don't know what these. I tweeted this out today, like because a lot of people have questions about offensive line. Why isn't this working? You really we don't have. We're not pre. You might be, but we're not privy to how they actually practice. Yeah, we we don't know the details that go into how Josh Myers actually practices. I could tell you that Mike Lanigan actually practiced like every like it was a game day 
I can tell you that Marco treated meetings and preparation and pre like it was game day. I can tell you that for a fact. Yeah. I can't say that about these guys. And, and when, when things aren't going well, that's kind of where I look is like, are you preparing to be successful or are you not at the level that your competition is? Yeah. Unfortunately, from a practice standpoint, and it, it's almost useless. Like basically we get to take attendance and, and who's practicing and who's not uh, in training camp. We get to see everything, but once the season starts, it's literally just like, stretch and then like the first five minutes mm -hmm. of some individual drills that they're working on and then we get kicked out so unfortunately we get, we don't get to glean anything i know somebody was asking me the other day with with elton in and, and running out who was with the first team right guard we don't even see them line up in any sort of team sort of activities while we're there so unfortunately we don't get a great access to that either and on the the, the last practice before the game, all you get to see is just stretching and then they kick you out right after that. So fortunately, not a ton that we can glean other than who's practicing, who's not. And if there's any new bodies or missing bodies that are, uh, you know, like I said, just basically taking attendance. But to your point, more importantly, yeah, I'm with you. Uh, we don't know exactly what's going into their practice habits. We can see that it has fallen off on the field in some capacity from a physicality and attention to detail standpoint. And yeah, I, I just think you need a better brand of football specifically in the trenches. And if you're not, you know, preaching it kind of, as you mentioned last week, if you're condoning it, if you're allowing it, you're basically condoning it. Um, I just think they have to have a much greater attention to detail and physicality in the trenches. Not it. We're going to see a lot more of this. Yeah. And I have a, I work with a couple of guys. One guy said something to me that really stuck with me. And he, he basically said, I said, you know, offensive linemen, you, you get your paycheck for, for pass blocking, but you get your, you get your reputation for run blocking. Yeah. Like you can be a really good pass blocker. Everybody's always a good pass blocker. But if you're a, just a bad dude in the, in run blocking, you finish blocks and like people know who you are and it, it might not be, it might not be the media. It might not be the, 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 the fans. It probably is now because of, because of social media and all the clips you can put out. But like back in the day, they, people, if you're walking in the airport and you said player sees you, like they immediately give you respect because they know, they know what kind of person you were on the field. And, and that, that that finishing that attitude and he said to me you know uh this 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 player who's playing right now he said you know it's not what it what it turns out to be is i think the first thing is do we have confidence in what we're doing that we can execute at a high level otherwise everyone's kind of hesitant and then the second thing is are we are we in shape enough that throughout the course of an entire game we don't ever feel like we're like we've worked ourselves so hard in practice that we're never tired in the game when the other guys are falling off that's when we can like step you know maintain yeah. it's like cold trickle like everybody was slowing down I haven't, I haven't sped up at all you have that kind of feeling throughout the entire game and i just i just don't know that a lot of guys practice that way and i think the guys that do are the guys that show up consistently on sundays just kicking ass and taking names i, I hope they're not too tired since they've basically run like 50 plays a game through like the last three games like right. they're not even running like a full complement of plays which is crazy to think about but to your point of like finishing like how many blocks have you seen green bay offensive linemen just flat out you know maul someone finish them and get them to the ground like a, a yeah. like a true pancake like i maybe maybe a little bit over one hand i could count on so far but it, it's uh, we're, we're talking many. fingers and toes like at this at most at this point and yeah there's there's just not many out there and again that we can talk about whether that's the players that they draft, whether we can talk about development, we can talk about scheme, we can talk about all of it. But at some point, you got to go out and kind of kick the other guy's ass. And we don't see just, a, unfortunately, a ton of that from Green Bay. I was watching, uh, gosh, I was watching the, I think it was the Jaguars backup tight end, absolutely manhandling 
the defensive ends and defensive tackles for I'll get I'll remember his name in a second. Well, the Vikings like, one you posted, Josh Oliver. He's that, that was Josh. Yeah, I was sorry. It was the Viking Josh Oliver. This he's kid is absolutely wrecking people on the line of scrimmage, and we look back and we had Mercedes Lewis, and that made a huge impact as well. I mean, some of the you know some of this the people that aren't here anymore did you know it does matter, but like kids like that, if you don't draft that kid, you don't bring him in. And you just got a bunch of nice guys that run routes. It, it it all like every bit of it matters. Every bit that what you do. It, I think what what happens now is we talked about. I talked about this yesterday a little bit. If if your players aren't doing well, like let's say you're not running the ball well, the coaches go into the office and they go, "Hey Andy, we're not running the ball well. What should we do?" And they go, "Well, the plays we're running aren't working." So let's find some new plays. The Raiders doing this right now. They they can't run their plays, so they got Josh Jacobs running jet sweeps to get you know get eight yard gains. Okay, and it's like, oh, that's great because you guys can draw anything up on the grease board. We've talked about that, but what if what if you made sure they were doing the plays that you wanted to run the right way? What if we spent practice really focusing on footwork, body position, and hand placement, so we could do the plays that you want to run in context of your bigger picture game plan the way that you want to run them and we it's very very quickly in the national football league do coaches just go head coach comes in you guys can't run that play we need some new plays and it's like no man we need to get the guys good at the stuff we're doing and if they can't if they physically aren't able to do it like you should have known that before the season started you should have figured that out already so i think on offensively i think a lot of it is just individually you got to play better yeah, I could not agree more. It's funny about Josh Oliver. I knew Green Bay wasn't going to go out and spend in free agency this year. They just didn't have the money. I put a, together a group of like four or five, like maybe value free agents that they could go after. I think Josh Oliver was like number one. He was, he was very high on my list of players. Unfortunately, Minnesota did not view him as a value free agent. They signed him to a three-year $21 million deal. So he got paid. I don't think Green Bay was probably ever in the conversation once it got that high, but he was a heck of a free agent signing for him. He teams very well with TJ Hawkinson and gives them a lot of versatility at that tight end position. But those guys matter. And we saw how valuable even a Mercedes Lewis, even though wasn't much of a threat as a pass catcher, Having that guy was super helpful, and they don't have that guy at tight end anymore. And I do think there's a they're, they're missing a little something there. Yeah, no doubt. If, and if we start talking about the other side, because uh, I could belabor this point for for days if you want, Andy. But no, we're you good. start talking. Yeah, you start you start talking about the defense and the defense to me right now. You have some guys that are at the individual level play well. So in other words, you have you have you watch the play and Kenny Clark gets penetration, resets the line of scrimmage, and has a good play, makes the quarter, makes the running back jump in the backfield you have a Sean Gary getting a sack you have Preston Smith sitting the edge or, or boxing in on a, on a puller what you don't have is the the second wave of people coming in whether it's the backside pursuit whether it's the safety coming in the box or maybe right now for me most importantly and I know he leads the team in tackles is Quay meeting people at the line of scrimmage meeting yeah. people a yard deep in the line of you know meeting people with a physical intent Instead of catching, you know, it's like we're being catcher's mitts right now. You catch four yards deep, five yards deep. You can have 50 tackles. You could have 150 tackles this year. If your average tackle position is six yards past the line of scrimmage at linebacker, that is not a good thing. And we talked about that all year last year being kind of like, where is the biggest area of opportunity for growth right now? It's attack the line of scrimmage. If you see the play, you, you have instincts. If you see it, hit it as hard as you can. Blow it up. We're gonna have 
there's going to be a referendum on this this weekend, by the way, because they run 21 personnel all the time. And if it's not Isaiah McDuffie, who we know will do that, if they if they focus that fullback on Quay, Quay's either going to have to, A, meet that dude in the A-gap on the line of scrimmage, or B, sit back there and catch him and watch Josh Jacobs run wild. Because that's the name of the game when you get a fullback in the game against those linebackers. And it's not just catching him too. You obviously see the times too, where he tries to go around him like the opposite way. And then he mm-hmm. like the running back just cuts in and he's out of his gap now. And I mean, I, I'm now to the point where like, I'm what you watch other teams around the league and you see a linebacker actually physically take on a block and shed it and go make a play. And you're like, that, that must be nice because we, you know, unfortunately you just don't see it. I think they do miss Devondre right now, but yeah. Um, yeah next, next guys have to step up. I, I wanted to ask you too, because th- this was like a, you know, red siren going off as soon as I heard it. And maybe again, it's just me spending too much time talking to you every week where like now these alarm bells are going off. But uh, Matt LaFleur was asked about the run defense in his, in one of his press conferences following last week's game. I think it was the, I think it was the Sunday after whatever it was. And he basically, he, he said, not basically, he said that he thought that everything could be fixed with scheme. He thought it was a scheme issue. And that was like a, a like a huge red flag that goes up to me because right. of all the stuff that we've been talking about. It's like, yeah, I'm sure there are some things from a scheme standpoint that Green Bay can do differently. However, at some point, the guys got to get off blocks. They have to go make a play. They have to play with a intentionality and a physicality. And I don't think that that's just scheme. And I thought Joe Barry actually did a better job when he was asked about it, where he said, yeah, right now it's a little bit of everything. It's kind of one guy, one play, another guy, next play. Sometimes it's the scheme. Sometimes it's the play. Like I thought he was far more on, on point about that, but man, that red flag went right off as soon as Matt LaFleur said that. Well, and if you think about Matt LaFleur's had a lot of success in the first couple of years as a Green Bay Packers head coach. So take this for what it is. Every he is a, he's a scheme coach. I don't know that I've, that I don't know how often he's got his hands dirty. Like, I don't know if he knows what really good quarterback footwork looks like before he met Aaron Rodgers. I don't, I, I just don't know. I don't know if he can teach a wide receiver coming out of a break. I don't know if he can teach a left tackle how to pass it. I don't know these things. He's not known for that. He's known for putting, being a scheme guy. And so when the, your answer reflects what you believe is important. And when you're a, the hard part as an ex player is if you're a scheme guy, what you're saying is I'm more important than, the player, right? Like my value is more important than the player because I can draw things on paper and they, all they have to do is learn how to do it. Like if I draw this up, it should be only works on paper thing, right? Yeah. Um, the real value, it's like Elon Musk. Elon Musk is the smartest guy in the room. He's an engineer, but if he wants to know how to put a solar panel on a roof, he calls a roofer. He doesn't call an engineer. You need to be able to do both. You need to be able to teach the scheme you need to put players in situations to be successful and you need to give them the tools to find success. If you do that, you get buy-in, you get, you, you, you produce winners. If you only do this one, you might look good, right? And you could start firing people who can't get the job done, but you're going to go through a lot of players until you learn how to draft and develop, which has been the green Bay mantra for years and years. Yeah. I will say to, to Matt's credit, some of my favorite moments are him is when he does get his hands dirty and does go up and like, he'll coach a lot of individual players in practice and training camp and stuff like that. Now, I don't know if I'm assuming what he's saying is probably the right things and stuff like that, but um, still what you can tell, like, and we've talked about in the past, this is somebody that I think 
enjoys probably the scheme part of it a little bit more and probably leans on his uh, assistant coaches and the, the positional coaches to do more of the, the dirty work. But he will definitely get his hands dirty from time to time. Like I said, it's actually some of my favorite Matt LaFleur moments. But again, at some point, the, the rubber meets the road and you have to you know actually go and see it out on the field. And so far, um, I don't think we've seen that level of attention to detail and physicality. And if I, if I to, so to follow that up, so obviously Matt made his bones in this league as an assistant coach and built his way up. So when I say it, it's a little bit, probably unfair um, that, that, that he could do that. I guess, I guess the way I would look at that is if you look at their practice structure, how much time is dedicated to individual and of that individual time, how much are they working on fundamentals versus like getting together and, and walking through plays or working on scheme? Like how much time is actually put into development, the individual character or you know behaviors of these, of these players. And that is, there's, there's so many that, fingers that go out of that question right how much time is there um how good are the are the coaches that he's hiring at doing that specific thing does he have two coaches in the room one that does, does that really well one that does scheme really well i mean all of those questions kind of need to be answered because as you see a lot of this stuff on tape you can't fix the quay walker thing that we're talking and quay's gonna be a good player in this league and we're not bad mouthing quay but you can't fix that with scheme Agreed. you can't fix it he's got to either learn how to do it right or you're going to continue to get burned. And it, that goes for a number of players and a number of positions and a number of rooms in the Green Bay Packers organization right now. Could not agree more. Uh, I, I know, obviously, anytime things go wrong, there always needs to be a, a, scapegoat, a scapegoat. Excuse me. There is always a public enemy number one. Um, right now, there's a few of those. Joe Barry being one of them. Royce Newman being another. I, I just want to ask about Royce Newman in particular. We're probably going to get a little bit more of musical chairs on the offensive line this week. Elton practiced for a second consecutive time. John Runyon Jr. did not practice for a second consecutive time. We don't know if that exactly means that Elton's in and Runyon's out, but let's just assume that's the case. And Elton's at, at left guard and Runyon's out this week. You've got a few options again. You could go with Royce at right guard. You could probably go Sean Ryan at right guard. You could probably put Zach Tom at right guard and put Yash Nyman at right tackle. Mm -hmm. Is it time to do something other than Royce at this point? Or how would you kind of go about putting the best five guys out there? Yeah, that's a great question. And this week in particular, playing against the Raiders, and you think about the, Ra the Raiders are actually better in, in nickel when they got their backups, Adam Butler and John Jenkinson. Those guys are actually better against the run. None of their guys are really that good against the pass, except for if you want to talk about Max Crosby, who might be the defense player of the year. Um, but the rest of those guys are just uh, – they're, they're NFL players. But when you see kind of people resetting the line of scrimmage and making plays in the run game, it really kind of goes to their backup defensive linemen. So what, the reason I'm saying that is this would be a game to have a referendum on is, it, is Royce's time up or not. Like if you can't play well against these guys, you're essentially second-team players – then it's probably time to move on. If you're saying before the game, like, what do you think? I really, to be fair, I haven't seen Sean Ryan play enough to have an opinion on him. I remember what I thought about him in college. I don't know how much he's improved since then. I saw a handful of snaps in the preseason, but as you and I talked about, I'm not going to watch backup players in the preseason if I don't have right. to. Um, Josh Nyman is, is kind of the hard part for me because with Josh – he has experience, but he's not a good run player. And I think you're just feeding him to the wolves. You put him inside. And I don't want to move Zach Tom. He's playing, you know, especially uh, Max, Max Crosby it would yeah. absolutely murder a backup tackle in this league. Like, you cannot put that dude against a backup right tackle. So for me, if Elgin Jenkins is going to play left guard, is it Royce? Is it, 
Is it Sean Ryan? I think that's a coin flip thing, but I don't know you go any further than, you know, I don't think you move Zach. I don't think you bring Yash in. I'm I'm guessing, Andy, that they're going to put Royce over there and just say, you're the one with experience. Let's see what we can do. And this is one of those deals where, you know, you lose back to you, you lose all these guys shuffling around. At some point, it's not a palms up deal by any means in, in, in the in the coaching room, but they're also going like, uh, what do you want us to do? Yeah, what do you want us to do, man? We we we're a little bit we're not equipped for this level of of uh, you know injury history and all this kind of all these kind of things. So I think they'd be obviously a lot better off even if they had another. Uh, they they don't really have one guy now where you go like I feel good about him in every position. Like you had that last you know was, you had the exact time last year. Yeah. You, and or, or you know we felt at least you move around Jenkins, but now Jenkins is has to be your guy. Like he has to be the figurehead of the room, and you can't really be the figurehead of the room if you're moving around everywhere. It's just it's it's too much. So you guys really need to make Little Caesars, which is the official pizza sponsor of the NFL, part of your game day routine. Pizza is the ultimate game day food. There is no question about it. If there's one thing that rivals my love for the Green Bay Packers and my love of football, it's my love of pizza. And right now you can actually order online during their pizza pizza pregame. It's one hour before NFL games and you can get ready for football, fun, choose your favorite little Caesars pizza, pick the toppings that you crave. Me, this is going to sound weird. I know because you know uh, my pickiness with food. I love mushroom and onion. That is my absolute favorite pizza. I know it's probably not everyone else's. And of course, you know you love my food takes, but I love mushroom and onion pizza. I love it from Little Caesars. Either way, you win. And speaking of winning, everyone's going to score with convenient delivery. They also have their in-store pizza portal. So you can pick up, you can grab some friends, enjoy a few slices during the tastiest hour before kickoff. Trust me, you're going to love it. And, And if I have to recommend one thing for sure, have to get the crazy bread. The crazy bread is an absolute must. Enjoy it. Enjoy your game day and enjoy it more with Little Caesars. So many of you probably know that Damian Lillard was just traded to the Milwaukee Bucks. And as soon as I found out, I had to get opening day tickets immediately. And I will be there at that game because I use game time and even got to use code pack a day for $20 off, which made it even more sweet. The process was so insanely simple. They have these flash deals and you can click on the different areas of the stadium to see which prices are available. You can see the actual view of the seats. It was hassle-free and just super, super simple. GameTime is the place for last minute ticket deals as well. You can forget planning months in advance. GameTime has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and so much more. The game time guarantee means that you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. Snag the tickets without all the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code PACKADAY for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code PACKADAY for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. It's finally football season, which means... It's also finally daily fantasy football season. And while I get excited to play daily fantasy every year around this time, I'm even more excited this year because I'll be using prize picks for all my daily fantasy selections. Prize picks is really simple to play. You can make picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. Even better, they offer ultra quick withdrawals to make all your transactions super fast and easy. Also keep an eye out for weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts. My favorite, Taco Tuesday. Each Tuesday, prize picks discounts select player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. 
Before football season ramps up, I've been using prize picks for my MLB and college football picks as I prep for a season of winning in daily fantasy football. The experience has been amazing and it's increased my daily enjoyment of watching Brewers and Badger games. Now, it's time to get some Jordan Love entries in prior to this weekend's game. The great thing for me is that they offer Apple Pay, which makes depositing money into my account so incredibly easy. So what are you waiting for? Join me on Prize Picks by going to prizepickscom packaday and use code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepickscom packaday using code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Yeah, the, the Zach Tom thing is like a good news, bad news thing, because the great news is that he's playing pretty darn well at right tackle. The bad news is, is that like you don't want to move him off of that anymore, especially in a week where you face Max Crosby. And the, like the, the two biggest things in this game are shutting down Max Crosby and Adams if he plays. So like put all of a sudden putting Yash out there at right tackle and not putting Zach Tom out there on them. That that or on Crosby, that doesn't make the most sense in the world. So I'm with you. I think, you know, Walker, Jenkins, Myers, and then Tom at right tackle, and then you said flip a coin between Newman and Ryan. I'm more of the mind of like, let's just evaluate Sean Ryan at this point. Let's see what he's got. And if he doesn't have it, so be it. But I think at some point you just got to kind of try it. But if they want to go with Royce one more week, and like you said, have this be the, the referendum, if you can't win this week, it's probably just done. Then so be it as well, but probably a coin flip. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. All right. I want to ask about as well. We're, we're a quarter of the way into the season. There's a lot of hype. And I think understandably so about this Packers rookie class, it's only four games and not all of these guys have played four games, uh, you know, in their entirety, but it's been a up and down, I would say four games for this rookie class. I think we've seen some really good things. I think Jaden Reed has shown some of his playmaking ability. We've seen little flashes from Luke Musgrave. Same thing with Lucas Van Ness. Um, Dontavian Wicks, I think for a fifth round pick is, uh, you know, acquitted himself nicely uh, to, to what he's been asked to do so far. Anders Carlson's made every single one of his kicks, but mm-hmm. what are your sort of overarching thoughts of this rookie class through four games so far? Well, it, I think, unfortunately, there's two things I think are unfortunate for the Packers. One, when you draft, when you have the 13th pick in the draft, which we don't really have very often, that guy, Lucas Van Ness, at some point in his career, might be an impact player, but he's not an impact player right now. Correct. Um, he's been hot and cold against tight ends. Let's just call it what it is. And he's got an yep. unbelievable amount of athleticism. And I think he plays hard. I think I have nothing bad to say about him except for he's a rookie and he's not like, you know, this isn't Khalil Mack coming in his rookie year. This It's just not. Yep. And maybe he'll be that way someday on tape when you watch, when you do an evaluation in the film room pre-draft and then they draft him 13. It was a head scratcher for me, but, you know, it is what it is. So he's the figurehead. He's the face of this of this draft. So you can have Carlson could be hitting his kicks. You can have a you find a what I think is a great pickup in uh, in in Jaden in Jaden Reed, and then knowing the backstory that he was an All American and the you know his yeah. quarterback. So that's all great. The tight ends are are going to be a work in progress. I think when you draft those guys second and third round, you draft those guys knowing that they're going to play now, but they're not necessarily going to be effective now in yeah. in, in a complete sense. The thing that's really unfortunate for this team is that the Detroit Lions just knocked it out of the damn park with their draft. I know. I mean, they and everybody was, oh, they can't believe they drafted Gibbs. I can't believe they drafted Campbell. I can't, oh, Sam Laporta's. Those guys, Brian Branch, they are killing it. I mean, that rookie class is so much better than everybody else's rookie class in this division that it just makes, you know, for me, it just makes everything look lackluster. I mean, we go play them last week 
and you're saying the names of their top four guys over and over and over again. And so it makes it a little bit, you know, you, it's, it's tough. It's tough to look at this, this group with rose colored glasses, but you do have a lot of guys that are getting in time. And if, if you really believe that this Jordan love thing is the part of big, you kind of have to look at this, not as we're trying to make a run for a super bowl. And these guys aren't living up to what we need. And more as, we're trying to make a rub to the Super Bowl in three years from now, and these guys are exactly where we need them to be. Yeah, I'm with you. I think they're definitely, you know, you see some positives, you see some flashes, but if you're looking for a big time impact player rookie year that you're just like, oh my goodness, this guy came in and was like, a, you know, close to a Pro Bowl, you know, caliber player right away, or just even like, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just saying Micah Parsons or somebody like that. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, you're not the cards. Too- yeah, not 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 there right now. So we'll see what it eventually ends up with. We know that Green Bay gives these guys. I'm still very excited long term about Van Ness and Musgrave, Jaden Reed, some of these guys. But um, yeah, the, the impact we, we saw Laporte, like you mentioned, the, the the lines, like right Laporte, that third down play on that first drive where he's one on one with Razul Douglas, and he's just like, hey, go run her out against Razul, get open. He gets the big play. That's a big third down. Green Bay's up three nothing. They got the pick on the opening drive. If Razul sticks with him and knocks away that pass, or that like he can't get open. Green Bay gets the three and out there. They get the ball back up three, nothing that I, Detroit's the better team. Let's not sugarcoat it, but like that might be an entirely different game from that point moving forward. That's a big play for Laporta. And we saw Brian branch flying around the field. Not, not just this week, but all four weeks so far. What if, what if Rudy Ford would have tried to knock the hell out of the quarterback on the way and his way out of bounds? Did you see that? I did not see that. So, so oh, Jared Goff, wait, wait, wait. was it the one where Goff took off running? Jared Goff throws the pick. And oh, Green yes, Ford yes. picks it off, and he he has a direct line to knock the quarterback out with the yeah, ball in his hand, and he goes out of – I mean, that is one of the most unforgivable things I, I have seen all season. And it's – I've said this yesterday <laughs> to somebody. If the Green Bay Packers lose the next 13 games and you ask me where was, like, the canon event that ruined their season, that was it. That there was – There were two plays in this game. Jared Goff blocked Kingsley Nigbare on the 40 yard reverse to Khalif Raymond too. Yeah. But like he got, you know, I mean, I get that. that. That's a, that's different than the Rudy okay. Ford thing. The Rudy Ford thing is unforgivable. I've the, never seen the, it. I, I can't imagine. I'm just thinking like, what would Bernardo Harris say to that safety coming off the sideline? If he saw that, you know what I mean? What would Leroy Butler say to his counterpart? If he's, I just can't imagine what would go that conversation in the, film room the next day on the on the sidelines if anybody saw it i mean good lord that was terrible and it's it would have been like maybe one thing if it's like the final play of the game and like you're up by like six and you got to just make sure you secure the ball and get out of bounds but like you've got jared goff in front of you you have him you know you can just run over that guy and to to not only like and the crazy thing is like he clearly because he like points at at him yeah. yeah, he's like pointing at him, like, so you identified him. All right, we we got that part down. You I'm identified coming for him. you, psych. And then runs <laughs> run out of bounds. Oh, Mike, you have to laugh so you don't cry sometimes. All right, let's look ahead to Packers Raiders, where hopefully if they get in any interceptions, they don't run away from Aiden O'Connell or Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, we talked about, obviously, Devontae Adams, Max Crosby, the two stars in this game. They're two big-time players. You can't let those two guys beat you. Outside of that, what did you see on the tape so far from the Raiders? Well, I, every, it's not a it's not a surprise. You're kind of looking at yourself in the mirror a little bit here. Like they can't run the ball. I think they're 30th in the league. They average like 65 yards rushing a game or something like that. It's, it's terrible. They can't really stop the run. These this team misses tackles left and right. I mean, the Chargers game was it, 
they had like 600 pounds of tackler on the running back multiple times. And he just squirts out and gets another 20, 25 yards early in the game, late in the game. I'm just, they had Justin Herbert dead to rights. He squirts out a tackle, gets a first out to ice the game. I mean, this is a team that is just, it looks like they have, especially on offense, the requisite amount of talent to be successful. Like they're the, the talent level at the skill positions with Jimmy Garoppolo in there, probably more than O'Connell, obviously, but Josh Jacobs in the backfield. You're thinking like this should be really good. Josh Jacobs is averaging like 2.7 yards per carry. Their offensive line looks at first glance like they can, hey, we, we stay square. We have good by- – they get pushed back all the time. They get bullied. Their left guard gets bullied from time to time. They, they're both tackles. I you, know, you play this new game in Vegas. Like you take a screenshot where their tackles are out like this with their legs spread wide, and you just bet whether or not the uh, the defensive end is going to get a sack or not because it was so bad last week. But I think offensively, this if like if you can't stop the run against the Raiders, then you need to blow everything up and, and start over again. And then conversely for the Green Bay Packers when they're on offense, you look at this team, and if if and it's a big if, if you could figure out how to have Max Crosby not destroy this game, then there's not a single player on their team on defense that you're – there's good NFL players on their team. But there's not another player on their team where you're like, man, this is going to be a real problem. This matchup's going to really hurt. You know, I just don't see that necessarily. So this is a game I feel like the Green Bay Packers should expect to win as long as Max Crosby or Devontae doesn't have a signature game. Totally agree. I think this is one that, and it's not like, you know, Vegas has a big time home field advantage in Vegas. Like there's going to be a ton of Packer fans at that game. Wouldn't surprise me if there's more Packer fans at that game, honestly. Like, so I I don't think that it, plus Green Bay has more rest. They had the Thursday night game. Um, You know, the, you know, Vegas was on the road uh, in LA against the chargers. It's a close game. It's a 3 PM game. So Green Bay should just be a little bit more rested here. I think they have the better team. But you, we talk about all the time of like, oh, what happens when you have this immovable object versus an unstoppable force? These two running games against each other is like the movable object versus the stoppable force. And it's going to be like, which one is going to give first? Because both of these teams are going to look at the other one and be like, this is a get right game for us. Yeah. And we need to figure out a way like to stop the run and run the ball. And the one that can actually do it, I think, is going to go a long way in figuring out a way to win this game. When I was watching tape and, and kind of putting some notes together for this game, I just kept thinking – because of the because the rest thing came up and they have so much time, but what a great deal. They're all going to be healthy. And Jenkins is back now. Alexander might be back. And I it came back to the same question though. Like, how are they practicing? Yeah. What are they how, are are you preparing to be successful this week in your actions on the field, in the practice field, in the classroom? And it's always been the question with this team. And I it's still you no, know, it'll be I'll be really interested to see what happens because it, they do have guys. I mean, Butler, Jenkins, Tillery, the, the guys up front in the defensive tackle position. They can beat you one on one. You know they can press the, the the line of scrimmage in the run game. They can stop us from being successful if we don't use good technique. Max Crosby can stop the game. I mean they they do have guys. It's just from a you know from a secondary standpoint. They I mean they, I mean Andy these guys are showing these guys are dropping in safeties into the a gap. Sometimes you're going like I don't even know if they know where they're supposed to be going. I mean there's some crazy stuff on film. So. Um, this is a get right game for both teams. And and I hope that the Packers are using this week one to identify their areas of opportunity at the individual level and the group level. And then two really working hard to get right, you know, get, get every feel. You should feel so confident 
on Sunday morning when you step off that like walkthrough field, you should feel like you have exhausted every angle to be in the best position to have a successful game. And if you feel that way, you're going to go in and feel super confident in this because you know just on a talent basis. You look at these two rosters, you go, we should win this game 19 out of 20 times. Hopefully that's the case. It like must win for a team that's not expected to be a big time team in week five, whatever it is. Sounds silly, but like if this team does have any like legitimate, hey, let's make a push at this thing, this this feels like one they just have to win. Uh speaking of what like second straight week where Matt LaFleur will go against the coach that they interviewed during his coaching uh search, by the way. They Dan Campbell was part of the coaching search when Green Bay hired Matt LaFleur. Josh McDaniels part of the coaching search when they hired Matt LaFleur. So I didn't know interesting. that interesting. Yeah. What do you think about Josh McDaniels and the whole, I mean, like the whole thing with Aiden O'Connell this week, he, he said something to the effect of, yeah, it's so interesting, is it? Because one thing I've learned from, from talking with a lot of coaches that are, that are, you know, still there, still in the league is that they always think the second, like the second go right, you learn so much about what it takes to be a head coach and all the things you have to deal with outside of just doing your job what you think your job is the first go around. That's why Bill Belichick, you know, he had marginal success at Cleveland, right? Yeah. He, he wasn't a, he wasn't a, he wasn't Bill Belichick when he was in, in the Cleveland Browns head coach. Um, Pete Carroll, the same thing when he was in New England, he wasn't the same guy. You know, you learned so much. So that second time around, you shouldn't be so much better. And it, with the, with the things that, that he said this weekend, I think he said prior to Devontae Adams, Josh Jacobs coming out and just the general feeling of, Everybody seems to be upset about something in Raiderland. You just, it's, it's just, it's a kind of a bizarre thing because you would think that he, you know, he had two trips, you know, two bites at the apple working with Bill up in yeah. New England. So much success. You just wonder, gosh, I, I can't figure that out. Yeah. Some people just aren't meant to have that final ultimate say and be like the guy. And some people are just better in that secondary sort of role. Maybe that's just Josh. One of the things that I said when Green Bay was looking at him as a head coach, I'm like, if they do decide to go with Josh Daniels and you've got like, you know, three, four years left, maybe with Aaron Rodgers, I said, the thing that I feel confident with is that it's probably either going to be an A or an F. Like it's either going to work fantastically and you're going to get Rodgers and McDaniels working together and there's just a synergy and it's like McDaniels and Brady working together and it just looks awesome or it's going to be probably a unmitigated nightmare and those two guys can't stand each other and it's just going to explode. I'm like, all right, at least it's an A or an F and you can move on right after yeah, one way or yeah, the other. True. But um, it's it's kind of been more of an F certainly for the Raiders so far that it's been an A, that's for sure. Uh, all right, any uh, all right, one last question, we'll get you out of here. So you have full reins of the Green Bay Packers for, uh, for a day. You get to put your GM hat, coach hat, whatever hat you want to put on. You can make a change to the depth chart. You can move on from a coach. You can, you know, maybe add a player, promote a player from the practice squad, anything you want to do. What's one change outside of like, obviously changing maybe some of the coaching habits. What's a change that you would make, if any, at this point for this two and two Green Bay Packers team? Yeah, see, four, four games into the season, I just don't think the sample size is, is, is big enough to really dive in and say, what are we going to, you know, are we going to, particularly at the personnel level are we going to make a change is there anybody out there that's really going to help us that much nope. I, I don't i think the answer is no and again having just resetting the framing of of what you're looking at here you've got first and second year guys in the wide receiver and tight end room like that, it is what it is you got a first year quarterback it is what it is are you if i'm changing anything out okay I, I do have a change i'd move adam sedimich back to the offensive line room that's Love what it. i do 
I, you know, I, I don't know about um, – I don't know the staff enough to say if you fire Joe Barry, what does that look like next? Because I, I, I just don't know. But I do know what we get if Adam Sedevich is in the offensive line room from a production standpoint. Um, and I just when – I, when I look at some of the players in that room, and it's probably not the fault of the – of of uh, Buck, it's probably not his fault. It's probably what they're not doing, what they've what they've forgotten about getting ready. What we were talking about earlier, but just because you associate that name Senovich with really really high level offensive line play, I might put him back there, even though he's going to be pissed off. But it, maybe you just duel. He's an offensive coordinator slash you know assistant offensive line or offensive line coach. Yeah, I think that's a really smart move. And I'm with. I don't think we've like a the sample size is small. B I don't think we've seen this real green Bay Packers team. So many guys have been hurt. There've been some sort of like flukish, not totally, but like it's the bears in week one In week two, you got three great quarters against that. Not great, but three solid quarters against Atlanta. And then one, just, you couldn't do anything on offense or defense, the saints game. You can't get anything going on offense. And then you explode for 18 points in the fourth. And then the lions game, you're down 24 to three by like your 13th offensive snap. And with the injuries and what's just sort of the, I don't know, lack of cohesiveness with everything and how these games have been played. I, I want to see a little bit more from everyone before I'm willing to rush to any super crazy judgments on this team. There's a, there's another guy that uh, I, I would talk about. If you're talking about bringing in another coach, it, it would cost a lot of money, but the, uh, the, the run, the, excuse me, the defensive line coach for the San Francisco 49ers is a guy that I worked with in, uh, in Miami. And Chris, uh, Chris, Kos, uh, what was his name? Kosarek, 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 K-O-C-U-R-E-C. Okay. Unbelievable coach. He's a disciple of old man Washburn, who was like the Tennessee Titans, the New York Jets, the Detroit Lions with Sue. He was, he was that line coach. And Washburn, and I don't know, he's not coaching more, he's retired. His, his son, Jeremiah, works for that. He still thinks for the, works for the Eagles. But he was like the best defensive line coach that I've ever been around. He might be the best position coach that I've ever seen. Wow. And Kurt and, and Coach Chris, uh, the defensive line coach for the 49ers, all those guys are super talented, but there's a reason they play at the level they do. It's the demand that this guy has. And I think if you want, if you really want a shot in the arm, because you got a talented room in that room that I think in some ways underperforms, if we're being honest, you bring a guy like that in. You really, I mean, coaching makes a huge difference at certain rooms and offensive defensive line. I don't think, I don't think there are two rooms where coaching makes a bigger difference just because the amount of players you have and the impact on the game than offensive defensive line. You bring those two guys back, Stenovich back, go hire Chris from, uh, from the Niners. Job done. I retire. I'll have a scotch by the end of the day. There you go. Mike, I absolutely love it. These are uh, a huge joy every single week. Tell everyone where we can find your work, your podcast, everything that you're doing, because you're doing incredible work. Well, thank you. I'm, uh, yeah, you can find me, MikeWall68 on Twitter, Prostitute Perform on Instagram. The On My Block podcast is out. Uh, we we put together probably four days of content on our Prostitute Perform channel on, on YouTube. So please check that out, subscribe, rate, and review. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to do, I, I do a couple spots and this and that everywhere across the country during the week. So if you hear me, great. If not, that's fine too. You still talk to Marcus Eversall every once in a while? I do. Actually, I'll be on with him in about half hour. Yeah, he's yeah. awesome. It's yeah, Marcus awesome. on Thursdays. Yeah, he's he's he, Marcus is uh he's a well of enthusiasm when it comes to Green Bay. 
He's he like is. the uh, positive Packer person. You know what I mean? Like he's, he does a great job of uh, sometimes I'm like, man, you're being too positive right now. That, that was a really bad game. He's like, now we're going to be positive. <laughs> I get to talk to him every Monday right after the games usually. And it's, uh, yeah. it's always fun talking to him, good, bad, or ugly. We always are able to, to kind of go through some positives, but work through some of the other stuff as well. Mike, you're incredible. Everyone make sure to go follow Mike at MikeWell68. You can follow the podcast here at Packet A Podcast. You can follow me at Andy Herman NFL. That does it for us. But until next time, and as always, go Pack Go. Thank you.